welcome to Glitching the Code. Hi guys, welcome to Glitching the Code here on YouTube and you'll be listening to this on Spotify, iTunes and watching the video on Iconic. I'm going to give Ricky the video as well so he can pop it up on his channel. So I'm here with Ricky from the Ripple Effect podcast. He's had some great guests on there. I saw you had Jesse Ventura on there as well, so I'm going to have to watch that one. Very controversial figure. He had it, he butted heads with David Icke once, which is a classic episode if you've ever seen that. Um... So he's had guys like Dan Dix on there, James Corbett, and he's all the guys that we all we all kind of talk about, talks we uh, we interview and we speak about these things. So he does the same sort of stuff that I do, talks about the same stuff in a sense of where this is going and the same information. And we're both just talking about just before we started recording that we're both dads and we that how that kind of changes the way you you approach this stuff and the importance of it so ricky thank you for taking the time to come on with um and i've had some off skype troubles and you've been great to just sit there and be patient so ricky you said to me before we um we started this that you were never the type to be like to be told what to do and i'm the same and i've noticed that everyone who does this sort of thing always has that kind of why you know when you're a kid and you go but why but why and you grow out of that, and they get shaven out of your personality. But I, I assume that a lot of us still do this. But why? It doesn't make any sense. But why? I know David, as uh, David Ike, who I work with quite a lot, has that same. But don't. I'm not going to take your word for it. So you've always been that way. Is that kind of something that you've you've carried on through the time? And do you believe that's something that's kind of set you on this path to looking into these these sort of areas? Yeah, you know, that's a, it's funny because this is a question I ask a lot of guests too because I'm always curious on like what makes what's the difference between the person who does ask the questions and does see through the propaganda, see through the bullshit and then the people who fall for it, right? Mm-hmm. And it's like that saying it's easier to trick somebody than convince them they've been tricked. It's it's true like when somebody's tricked it's hard to like convince them out of it like hey hey like the way you see the world is an illusion it's a lie it's hard to convince them but it's like well how did i get in this position where i can see through that and they can't and uh i think yeah i mean it it's i i, I ponder on this a lot because it's like i don't know if it's like one specific thing or maybe a bunch of like little things that kind of just add it up but i I've always kind of went against the grain a little bit. I've always asked too many questions. It usually gets me in trouble. Uh, as a kid, you know, I, I got kicked out of like Sunday school and, and I was always getting in trouble in school and, and wearing, you know, um, shirts for bands I liked, you know, like uh, we are talking before, some of the bands I grew up, metal bands I listened to, Iron Maiden, all this stuff, you know, that was a little too controversial for like my schools and my teachers would be like, oh, you shouldn't be wearing a shirt with that type of, uh, you know, imagery or, or whatever it may be. And, and uh, so I kind of always liked going against the grain and asking questions. And the more people would not give me answers the more I wanted to ask and the more I felt like it was bullshit. I'm like, if I was going to Sunday school and I was asking questions and it was causing issues because of it, then I felt like I was on to something, you know, I was on to, you know, there's a reason why they, they don't want me to, uh, to ask these questions or they're getting mad. It must be because they don't have the answers, you know? And, uh, and it's not, the case for all religions or all religious people but uh it just kind of sparked this thing where like i i'm like i i want to find answers i don't i'm not content with people just saying well this is just the way it is or just believe this or just have you know i always wanted to kind of get to the root cause of things and i think music had a big part uh to do with it too i growing up i played music i was always into uh creative things uh being artistic and i I think we all have that in us you know there's a, a study where 
they uh, they ask, and I forget what grade it is, if it's kindergartners or first grade, they ask kids, like, how many are creative? And, like, all the kids raise their hands. And then they keep going up on grades, and as the kids get older, less and less kids raise their hand. And I think that a big part of that is because school asks you to conform. It asks you to regurgitate information. It, it doesn't ask, it, it tells you that the creative things that we like doing, the things that involve imagination, that's a waste of your time. Like do the things that will make you money, do the things that are going to get you financially ahead. Uh, how little, you know, do they know that a, you might financially get ahead, but you might also be self-medicating with drugs and unhappy and, and have a shitty relationship with your wife and kids. And, and because you, you've been sold a book of lies, you've been sold that the idea of that, the path of happiness is a, a, a path that leads you to financial wealth and leads you to this career. Well, that career might also come with a sacrifice. And sometimes you see really successful people. Um, and we say successful in regards to usually where we're referring to financial success. Um, but in other aspects of life, they're not successful. You see uh, kids that have been neglected, wives have been neglected, families and friends have been neglected uh, for this pursuit of 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 financial wealth and and usually and it's a system that's kind of that's kind of uh, uh built this this problem because uh, i see it as like a, so i was born in portugal my parents are, are uh, i was born in Chaves, which is like northern portugal uh we're from a small little village nearby and they come to america just like a lot of foreigners they come to america to get ahead and when we say that we mean financially get ahead mm -hmm. uh well, I think we get so caught up in that goal that we lose everything else. We lose what made us happy prior to ever having any financial wealth. Um, we lose that like we had community back home. We had more free time. We had more time drinking and eating and being with our friends and less stress. And then you come to America. And uh, I remember hearing my dad saying it growing up. He's like, oh, I wish I was back in Portugal. And as a kid, I'm like, dad. You, you grew up in a water uh, or a house with no running water. Why the hell do you wish you were there? You know, and uh, and uh, but and then as I got older, I started understanding that it wasn't he, he didn't have financial wealth or, you know, the material things he ha he has here. Uh, but he didn't have the stress either. He didn't have the the boss. that wanted him to work every weekend. He didn't have, um, you know, the, the getting home late. Uh, being so tired that you don't have any energy for your kids. You know, like my, my dad wasn't a bad dad per se, you know, it, in regards to, um, you know, being too mean or traumatizing me in any way. He just wasn't like, I don't remember him being uh, present that often. And when he was, there wasn't a whole lot of one-on-one -on -one interaction because he was a typical construction working uh, foreigner who was, when he got home, he was tired. Mm -hmm. And so you left that alone, you know, and uh, so and so that was a sacrifice he made. And, I, you know, I, I kind of feel bad for him because like we were talking about before we started recording, I love being a dad. And and to me, it's much more important. Like if I if I'm looking at my life, like which jobs are most important for me to be good at, like if I'm kind of half assing my my full time job and not doing a great job of that. I'm okay with that as long as I'm do, uh, I'm spending more time with my kids and doing a great job doing that because to me that's the most important job. So like, you know, even as a father, I think about sometimes like, okay, well, where's the balance? Like if I if I spend more hours working, if I spend more hours focused on my full time job, I can financially give my kids a better 
maybe a bigger house or more material things. But that also means I'm not around as much. And, and when I am around, I'm going to be maybe more stressed. Maybe my fuse is going to be shorter. And, and that's going to cause some, some friction issues. So you really start evaluating what's really important. And one thing you learn really quickly, that kids don't give a shit if you raise them in a million-dollar house or a $1,000 house, even though that doesn't really exist. But <laughs> you get my point. <laughs> you know, um, They just want you to be around. They love having... Um, uh, you know, just their, their parents around, their friends around. They love just being given love and attention and com uh, communicating with them and playing with them. So to, to me, that's kind of like a, a part of, a, you know, what, something I try to do, this balance of like, you know, like, okay, maybe financially I'm going to not be so well off because I'm not working as much as I could. I'm not picking up every hour. I'm not taking advantage of every opportunity. But that's because taking those opportunities and working those extra hours means less time with my kids. And I think in the long run, it, it's, it's much better to have that balance of having as much time with your kids as possible. And, um, and to do that because we, we are, and this kind of go, goes back to uh, the bigger picture of like, you know, what the hell type of world are we, does the future look like? And, and, in America, and I don't know so much about Europe because, uh, you know, we go to Portugal, you know, um, on vacays every every once in a while. Uh, but I, I don't I don't really have a grasp of the society there as much as I do in America. In America, it really does seem like they're creating a world where the state raises your kid, the daycare raises your kid, the schools raise your kid, the parents all work full time. You know, the, there's a lot of parents that I know that the second they have kids, they're back at work, you know, they're, they're you know, they're, they're and they can't wait to get back to work, send their kids off to school, you know, and um, like my kids now are, are homeschooled because I don't want to send them to school with masks on and uh, and with all that BS. So we decide to homeschool them until eventually, hopefully uh, this kind of uh, gets a little better in regards to masks. But um, but yeah, I mean, most parents wouldn't, you know, would would never even consider doing something like that. They're like, you know what? I don't care if they have to wear masks. I don't care if they have to wear a plastic bag over their head. Mm -hmm. You know, they're stressful. Let me send them to 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 uh, to school. But it's the most important thing you ever do. You're molding uh, the future of the world. You're you're molding a little human being. Uh, every little if you're not uh, influence on them if you're not around you know and kids are sponges we all say that you know kids are sponges they're soaking in everything they hear and see sometimes they're they're soaking in things you didn't even know they're soaking in because they're repeating stuff and I'm like I didn't know you you heard that but um it, it's one it's one of those things like if you're not being the biggest influence on their lives then somebody else is or something else is and it could be media it could be TV it could be all these things which we know are propaganda full, full of manipulation and 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 you know mind control for a lack of better term um i know that term can be a little overused at, at times in, in the alternative media world but it it, it is it's, it is mind control i mean you see it with the censorship issue yeah. where you know you control the information you control the people so uh i think it's it's really important to to try to spend as much time with your kids i'm way off your question i'm like no no, no you're not because what what we're coming back to is that, i mean you're talking about behavioral modification there but what you're coming back to is is that you're doing this this sort of work <clears throat> for your kids basically and i think you we initially get into this sort of thing because we um because we don't like being told what to do i think that's the big thing and we don't accept nonsense and weirdness and we've got a very good radar of going that's nonsense and that's bollocks i'm not doing that 
why why are you asking me to do that clearly insane and i think most people have but people just either don't have the courage to go with it or they put they store it away over the years so what you're doing now is what you want you've you've got for you you've got this kind of built-in bullshit detector and you want your kids to kind of have that because the world that they're going to grow up and if this this and i don't think this will get to the point where they i think they've completely screwed this up and now they're just scrambling about now but if they got anywhere near they wanted to get the, the life that these kids our kids are going to have I, I can't bear to think i mean how far this has come in 12 months that that is i think a driving force for you i know it's a driving force for gaz jamie ike who i work with and Jack, Jamie and Gaz Ike, who do Iconic, it's a driving force for me, because they're the ones that are really going to bear the brunt of this, aren't they? And and that's why I assume what you do, why you do what you do, is that the, the, the stuff they're they're being subjected to at the moment is is almost like from some sort of weird horror film. It's actually quite dark, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, my my son would wake up. And uh, and have nightmares in the middle of the night. He would wake up in the middle of the night saying that he 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 because every time we go somewhere, I tell him, like, listen, if they require a mask, just put it on your chin and everybody just leaves you alone. You know, that way nobody will bother you. It looks like you're you're attempting to do something. And every once in a while we went through this, especially right before the election, because tensions in America were, were so high. Something that we never really had an issue with. We'd go out. You know, uh, I'd just be like, hey, put the mask on your chin. Nobody's going to say anything. And he's like, OK, great. And and that'd be it. It wasn't an issue. And then right before the election, anytime we'd go out every once in a while, there'd be somebody like, hey, little guy, put your mask up. Well, I don't want you to get sick or something like that. So he would look at me like, Dad, am I doing something wrong? And I'm like, no, no, no. I'm like I'm, in my head. I'm like, he's just a shithead who doesn't know any better. But <laughs> but uh, what, what I tell him, it's like, oh, he just I'm like, he's a little scared of the, the coronavirus. But I, I would explain to my kids. I'm like. Listen, and, and it's really the truth. I'm not BSing them. Um, I would tell them, like, listen, uh, if you're healthy, you I'm like, you eat good food, you guys exercise, you get as much fresh air and sunlight as possible, you take your vitamins. I'm like, you guys are fine, but not everybody is like that. Some people have health issues. Some people have have a, a, a lack of nutrition or just knowledge of, of the power of the, the natural immune system. Though, so they're afraid, but I'm like, we don't have anything to be afraid of. I mean, I, I literally had people over my house uh, during the whole lockdown every single weekend. Yep. And I remember telling people, I'm like, listen, if you guys need to be around adults and get the hell out of your house, I'm like, my door is wide open. Yep. And, and uh, you know, at the time I was so deep into this research that I was so sure that this was bullshit really early that I'm just like, listen, guys, you can come over. And I'm like, and this is how, uh, how sure I am that this is bullshit. I'm like, I don't care. I'm like not going to check your temperature. I don't care where you've been. I'm like, and I have two beautiful kids that, you know, I adore and love and would never put them in harm's way. And so if I'm asking you guys to, uh, if I'm telling you, it's, you guys can come over. That's because I'm sure that none of us are in, in, uh, you know, or nothing bad's going to happen to any of us. So, um, you know, that was, uh, and it was good for the psyche of my children because it's like they're around other people. We're around other people. We could ha have conversations. We're social creatures. I mean, you think about prison, for example, you're around the worst of the worst people and then they punish you by taking you away from them and putting you by yourself. Like that should be a reward. Like, how do I, how do I get away from all these crazy people? <laughs> but it's not, it's like, because if you're by yourself long enough, you will lose, start to lose your mind. And, uh, we're, we're, 
we're at our best when we're around other people. That's why we need community. That's why we need, you know, I'm not a religious person, but I understand why people go to church and like the community of it, of being around one another and having like a support system. Um, and so, I mean, these, these things are, are really important. And even outside of that, health-wise, for our immune systems, all these people who are over sanitizing their hands and and over cleaning things, that's not good. Your kid, your kids. I mean, my kids, I never give them a hard time about washing their hands. I never. And when I was a kid, my mom would always ask, like after be playing outside all day, oh, did you wash your hands? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I never washed my hands. I no. just told her I did. And 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 none of us got sick. You know, like we never got because your body. Uh, it, your immune system's like your muscles. Like you can't overwork it out, or it could do harm. But you can't underwork it out and not work it out at all, or it's going to weaken. And your immune system's the same way. When people were coming over our house during a whole lockdown, I was telling my wife, I'm like, this is good for the kids. I'm like, we got people bringing in germs. You know, they're exposed to. You know, because if not, we can isolate them, put them in a bubble, over sanitize everything, and the second they get sick, you know what's going to happen? It's going to hit them hard because their immune system has not been working at all. And I. I mean, now you're starting to see the the popularity the last couple of years of like probiotics and prebiotics and all this stuff. What is that? That's bacteria. Like we always thought bacteria bad. We you know, but now we're like, oh no, but it's bacteria. It's good. It's it's it, there's a good bacteria. So uh, there's nothing stronger than the human immune system. Yeah. You know, uh, it's it, it, if you keep your body healthy, if you keep your body um, you know strong, it, it's the best defense against anything i mean even when you t when people are sick and they're they're taking um you know whatever like painkiller for the pain like all you're doing is you're suppressing the the symptoms until your body does the work of of repairing itself and uh so you're not actually m most of the time getting to the root cause of the issue because you never really do with modern medicine it's all about like symptom management mm. uh they just want to keep giving you a pill for your symptoms and never get getting to the root cause of the issue but uh but no, I mean, the one good thing that came out of the lockdown is my daughter is much tougher with getting her to eat her vitamins. So since the whole COVID thing, I'm like, hey, you don't want to get sick, right? I'm like, uh, I'm like, just, uh, you know, eat your vitamins. You won't get sick. And it like I it got her finally to start eating her vitamins because it would always be uh, tough to get her to eat them. But it got easier because of it. I'm like, hey, I'm like, the reason why some people are afraid is because they don't eat their vitamins. They don't take care of themselves. So uh, I try to find some optimize some positive uh uh you know something positive to come out of uh, the lockdown but yeah with, without a doubt i mean the whole parenting thing when i started i was already motivated by you know i named the show the ripple effect podcast because i really believed in the idea that we could all start a ripple and we never know how big that ripple can become mm -hmm. and what type of impact we can have on the world and um and then it the show kind of became a, a example of it because i started you know, with just me and a co-host, a friend of mine talking and little by little start booking guests. And, and like you said, eventually I had people like Jesse Ventura and I had Lawrence, uh, Colonel Lawrence Wilkerson, who was chief of staff for Colin Powell in the White House. And and, you know, Ray McGovern, you know, who was uh, and, and John Kiriakou, you know, ex-CIA people. And and it just became an example of how, like, you know, you just if you have a passion for something, if you really feel like, you know, let me give it a try. And if you work hard enough, you know, you can really make an impact. And I, that was, that was the motivation before I had kids. And like, I'm sure you experienced, like once you have kids, it just goes up to a whole nother level because now you start thinking about like, I already had a passion to try to leave the world a little better than I received it. Yeah. But it was, you know, once you have kids, you're like, now I want to do it because I want to leave it a little better than I received it for them. Mm -hmm. I want, I want to help 
give them the best chance of of living in in a, a world that's a little better than than we have at the moment. And uh, so yeah, I mean, kids can be a a great great motivation, but it also can be scary as hell because it's like, well, there's a when you do our type of research and you go down these rabbit holes, you realize how scary of a world <laughs> we live in. You do as well. And what I've kind of realized lately is because you mentioned it before, the, the we kind of the t- the people that do this tend to have a, a, an incredible imagination as kids, a creative imagination. So we we can't fit in with the normal day-to-day grind of the world because it's so bland, boring, and repetitive. So we're always looking for the world to be a lot brighter, bigger, and more magnificent than it is. And that is something I think I try and keep an eye on because I understand that I'm prone to kind of looking at things that might be a tiny bit true in the conspiracy world and then taking that to the moon and back. And going, right, not only is there a few, like, there's aliens here and we're all over in the fifth dimension and all of this stuff. And I'm thinking, actually, that that, that isn't, that's great to look at. But really, the nuts and bolts of what's happening here with the, the COVID and the thing is quite easy to see. And it's quite sort of, it's quite fundamentals to it. But I think we're prone to people, when we look into these things, to our imagination to run away with itself. And that's kind of where you, you go off on one. And I always try and bring it back. But it's funny that we all have that imagination to kind of be able to think of these things so like if you look at 1984 or the book or brave new world they were that was their imagination based on some of the information they surely knew because they were insiders to a certain degree but their imagination has taken it there so when i look at the great reset and i look at the things that they've got planned out for us they look horrific but then i dial it back one or a few and go even if they implement a few of these, like the social credit system, that's still horrific. But it's not going to look like War of the Worlds on the telly. It's not going to look like 1984 on the telly. And I think that's really important to understand is that it will be fundamentally the same, but it won't look like that. And I think, I don't know how you think, it's, it's something I've not discussed with anyone, but kind of trying to put that into the frame of the real world and going, okay, if they get the social credit system in, doesn't really matter. We are screwed. And that's the one thing I'm trying to get people to look at is the social credit system, which I call it your compliance score. If they get your compliance score in and you need to keep your compliance score up to do anything, that's what worries me for the kids in the future. They won't have options to be creative, to even ask questions, to even question anything. And that's very much like you can see that happening in the Biden administration already. And I'm no Trump fan either. I think that that there's no... There is no left and right. It's all a big WWE wrestling show that they play out. But they're quite clearly insane. And that's being normalised now. So how do you kind of see that your imagination coming into this? And then do you kind of look at things that you thought were going to happen a few years back and think, well, that's happened, but it's not? Do you Are you quite sort of able to shift in your understandings when new information's come in? Because I find a lot of people that, that do this do tend to just stick to it for years and then they go, no, this is what I believe. But I'm a side person who goes, well, that didn't turn out to be right. So I'll take on the new information and I'll look at that. And I mean, we're seeing this with the Q people at the moment. They're still adamant that was it the 8th of March that something's going to happen. Um, how do you kind of adjust to new information coming in? Well, I think that you're you're making a really important point because I, I, to, I say this a lot and I think it's it's very important to never be married to any idea like don't don't just say okay this is this is where i stand i've 
analyze all the information and this is my opinion on this topic or subject or this is the ideology that I uh, adopted and and then I'm done. You know, like there, there should never be a finish line. You should just constantly be pursuing more information, more knowledge, more more everything. Just take ideas in as much as possible and constantly filter out the shitty ideas and keep the good ideas, but always be open to constantly, you know, go through them. Um, if not, then, and, and it's funny because I just said this on on a podcast I did earlier today with uh, Marty Leeds, and and I've said it a lot on on uh, the on the Ripple Effect podcast of late because I think it's important and you and you see it become more and more of an issue is this uh, idea of like ideology versus like philosophy, right? So like traditionally philosophy is about thinking and and exploring ideas and and questioning ideas and all these things, and ideologies are like where you think those questions will lead you right so you get to a point and you're like okay like I, i've i've done all the thinking i've done all the exploring this is the ideology that i subscribe to but the danger to that is that it means that the thinking stopped right mm -hmm. and so it's like well, you subscribe to an ideology then you're stuck there you're like okay well this is this is where i i stand this is i i've picked a team you know i'm a I'm a, a Tottenham fan or I'm a Arsenal fan or I'm a whatever whatever it may be and it's and it's like once you pick your team you're going to you're almost blinded by you, you or you're blinded from seeing the real truth because you have a team that you you want to defend for the purpose of of making sure you're on the right team because now if I'm on this team I want to defend this team so it becomes an issue so the, the thing with me it's like it's I'm I I always try to find the origin of why I feel a certain way or why I think a certain way. Um, I think it's something that we don't do enough of. It's like, okay, how did, what led me here? Like, was it, did I hear somebody say this mm. and it sounded like it made sense? And did I really explore the other perspectives? Um, and, and so it's like, it, it's really easy to just like, once you decide something, it's like, okay, now I'm a social socialist. I'm a communist. I'm a, a capitalist. I'm a, a anarcho libertarian. I'm a whatever it may be. And then once you you join one of those teams, you defend them, and your whole life go revolves around defending it because I'm on this team, and I don't want to be on the wrong side of history. I don't want to believe that I'm wrong, so I have to defend this ideology that I've adopted. And uh, so I think it's really important to just always question yourself. I think art, you know, is is helps with that a lot. If you're a musician, or a poet, whatever it may be in regards to art, I think it forces you, you to self-reflect a little bit. You know, or if you're doing any type of uh, cre creative thing, I, I think it, it, it helps you kind of um, see through some bullshit and kind of get to your how you really feel about stuff and, and really help you self-reflect a little bit. Uh, I remember when I was playing music much more and, and, and writing music, uh, one part of the process was like, okay, let me tap into how I truly feel about something or let me tap into, um, see if I can filter out all the bullshit and really get to the essence of like what triggers me to act this way or, or feel this way or whatever. And I, I don't think people do enough of that self ref, uh, reflecting type of thing. I, I think the last like few years you've seen a increase in like yoga and meditation all these things because I think it helps with that and people see that there there's a need for that because if not then you get so caught up in in the everyday routine of waking up going to the store getting groceries uh, going to work you know and then you come home and you never 
take a step back and ask those bigger questions. You know, I think religion can be, you know, or people who are religious, people who are uh, spiritual, people who do psychedelics. I mean, there's plenty of different uh, techniques that can help you kind of uh, take a step back and and see that, like, okay, there's a bigger picture. Like, what's the meaning of all this? What's the point of all this? Uh, Asking those bigger questions, I think, are important. But I think too often people will get just caught up with the with the everyday thing. But asking those bigger questions can also lead to, and I promise I'll get back. I'm bringing it back to your question. I, <laughs> I go on these long rants. Uh, but uh, it, it asking these bigger questions are important because when you ask those bigger questions, it, it forces you to also reanalyze how you feel and what you think. And uh, and I, like I said, I think too often that's that's not the case, even in the alternative media community, which we're supposed to be. I, I always say, like, we should take back the word skepticism, because most people, when you hear, oh, he's a skeptic, usually it's he's not a skeptic. It's just somebody who's debunking the mainstream narrative 100 percent of the time. That's not skepticism. We're the skeptics. We're the ones who are like, you know what? I don't care what source it is. I don't care what the story is. I'm going to question it and I'm going to you know, do my own research and I'm not going to, uh, just believe it on face value. So I, I think, uh, it's healthy to be skeptical of not just other people, but of yourself. Like, why do I believe certain things? Why do I think certain things? So, uh, I, I in the alternative media community, you, you see with nine 11, nine 11 was a big one in the U S where people would be, they would be married to a idea. It was like, I think the towers came down because of this, or I think, you know, this hit the Pentagon and you would turn on people who are actually on your team. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, okay, we're yeah. we're all trying to expose the same people. Why are you turning on this person or calling him a shill or saying that he's, you know, he's BS, he, he's, he's uh, you know, uh, has bad research or whatever, or pick or, or dissecting dissecting somebody's research to make them look bad just because you don't agree with their research. It's like, wait, wait, but we're all on the same team, right? We're all supposed to be exposing the real bad guys. Like this person who might have a dip, different interpretation on what happened on that day or what, how the towers came down or maybe who was behind it. I'm like, if they're still fighting against the elite, we're on the same team. He's not my enemy. So, uh, yeah, I mean, we, that tribalism is, is really, really dangerous and, and it can cause us to stop thinking also. Yeah, and I've seen this a lot with the, the the internet and algorithms have done an incredible job of creating mini cults and mini streams of consciousness. So what I've seen happen, and I've noticed myself doing it through the years, is that obviously you the algorithm starts to learn what you like and just give you what you like. So it's confirmation bias. So I try and go watch things that really annoy me because I know that they're not going to give me the information I want and they're going to question what I think is true. And I really don't like it. I don't like really... They're sitting there going, oh, God, I've done all that research. And it, now I think it might be bollocks. Now I think I might, oh, I'll, do you know what I mean? I'll go and speak to these people. Because I know that I'm never going to find a place to land because I'm never going to know the truth. My own, my goal is, like you said at the very start, is to make this world a slightly better place than when I came in it. If I don't fuck up too much, I've done all right. And that, because you're not responsible for saving the world. And I think there is that emphasis. So I don't know if you ever feel like it, but sometimes you sit there and you're like, oh, I've just got to get this out because then the world will be better. You're like... I cannot do that is a huge amount of you know pressure to put on yourself and I think anyone that does this research is out to try and make the world a better place but solve the puzzle everybody wants to solve the puzzle who are the bad guys and can I stop I want to stop them none of us are going to do that individually and as you said just a minute ago like the Q guys they were in it all for the right reasons majority of them clearly 
believe that Trump was going to be something that he seems to not be, unless we're all going to get a shock, which would be fantastic. And I'm open to that. I don't believe it's going to happen, but I'm open to being wrong. Um, but they had the intentions, the same intentions we've had, is to the people that believed in him wanted to take down, they called it the deep state, I understand it as the black nobility, or some people call it the Illuminati and New World Order, or whatever you want to call it. We have the same aim. We want to know who they are. We want to stop them from abusing us. But we can't individually do it. And they're very good at just getting us all to have a go at each other, aren't they? And just pick away at each other. And I have people taking the mickey out of me because of Flat Earth and they believe in Flat Earth and I don't. And I'm, I'm like, does it really bloody fucking matter? We're never going to know. Stop dicking. Does it matter? Let's have a conversation about it. And and that's what you you were saying is, is that that we need to be able to be flexible but the algorithms are very good at giving you what you want to find and giving you and suddenly you feel like actually I've done 10 years of research here, but it's all been handed to me. Who's handed me this research? And has it taken me down an alley? Is it the path of least resistance? Can I do something to look at something that really doesn't support what I say at all? And I think that's a lot of the Trump guys that could do with doing that now going, OK, it didn't work out. He's not done anything I do. I want to do. Is this going to turn, turn around? And I think we're at that point where we all need to kind of start going, am I just feeding into my own narrative of what I want to be? I want to be right. I want to be good. I want to be a good person. Instead of going, is that true? Is it? Do you, do you get what I mean? How do you kind of like filter out whether you're just getting confirmation bias and you're just... Because we all talk to each other and I find that quite funny. We're all talking to each other, sharing information, but there is a world out there that really need to hear this information, and that's the real goal, is to go and tell Jane down the street this stuff that she doesn't even have a clue about and wouldn't even know where to start. But we kind of share it within our own bubble, and I find that quite fascinating. Yeah, I mean, you can live in an echo chamber a little bit. I, it's funny because I had when I had Dan Dix on uh, not too long ago, I remember going on his website, just seeing if he had any recent stuff we could we could discuss. And he had this video in Canada where he was going around interviewing people like, why are you wearing a mask and their opinions on vaccines and all that stuff. And uh, these Canadians were all like, yeah, I can't wait to get the vaccine. And I think, you know, people who don't wear a mask is a a-hole and and all this stuff. like they and I'm and, and it's funny because I remember I think I talked to Dan about this uh, on air about how it a little piece of me was disappointed that it was that one-sided all the people on the streets i'm like mm. I, i'm like i almost forgot how one-sided this uh, you know it's some locations in the world are on these topics because like you said you talk to a lot of people who think the same way and feel the same way and i also think that's one of the reasons why people connect with shows like ours is because there are a lot of people out there who feel like they're on an island by themselves like everybody around me thinks i'm fucking crazy like, mm. I see it. I know I see it. It's almost like um, a little kid who, like, is hearing voices or something or sees, like, a ghost or something. And everybody's like, oh, that little kid's crazy. And he's like, no, no, I definitely saw it. I definitely, you know, it's same thing where it's just, like, people feel like that. And, you know, w during the whole lockdown thing, I was getting a lot of people hitting me up from all over the world, like, saying how much they appreciated hearing these conversations because we were saying the things that they were feeling and and the things that they were um already kind of skeptical about we were discussing and 
they didn't know if they were going crazy because people around them just seem to believe the mainstream narrative. But once you hear other people say, you're like, okay, I'm not crazy. There are other people who are seeing through the bullshit, who are seeing that, you know, we're being lied to and this logically isn't making any sense. So it's, uh, yeah, I mean, without a doubt, it's it's important to do that. It's important to, to not be afraid to talk about things and, and have the tough discussions because there's a lot of people out there who are, who don't have anybody to have those discussions with. And, and it, I, I do these shows that, uh, with my Patreon supporters where I, uh, I, once a month, I, I send them the zoom link and I'll do a show with just my Patreon supporters. We'll do like a little, uh, episode for like an hour and then I, I release it. And, uh, the first time we did one, the, the amount of people who were like, Oh, that was so awesome to connect with other people who listen to the show. Yeah. And, and on the episode, a lot of them would talk about that, how they like, they feel like everybody around them is just brainwashed. They've all like, they've all been brainwashed. And, and like you said, it's, it's almost easy to forget that there's people who live like that because we're constantly talking to people who aren't brainwashed and are seeing through the bullshit. So it's, uh, yeah, I mean, that's kind of the pros and cons of, of the Internet. Obviously, there's a lot of cons in regards to, like, you know, information manipulation, uh, censorship, censorship of the information. That's the other thing, too. It's like you used to be able to go down uh, echo chamber and, and, and or rabbit holing and find yourself in an echo chamber where you're just getting all the information, uh, all the uh, information you want to believe is, is true. Uh, but now it's almost impossible to find any information that's not the mainstream narrative anyways. I mean, if you want to uh, go online and find anything, I mean, regardless if it's accurate or true or not true, if it's not the mainstream narrative, you can't find it. And I know that like different parts of, of the world what comes up on your on your search uh, is it's slightly different. But in, in America, if you go to on YouTube, if you go on Google, I mean, you literally are just going to be force fed Fox News, MSNBC, CNN. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter what topic it is. It could be the Oklahoma City bombing, it could be 9-11, it could be anything COVID related. Uh, you're just going to be force fed the mainstream narrative. And a long time ago, when, you know, when many of us were going down many different rabbit holes you could go online and you could find people like james corby you could find people you, you know like alex jones you could find so you know david ike so many uh people g edward griffin all these people that have been doing saying these things that were so against the mainstream narrative and you're like holy shit i've never explored this topic or i didn't know that there were some inconsistencies with this official story and uh, and now even if you are a skeptical person even if you're like you know what let me see if there's anything to the anti-vax movement. Everybody's calling them lunatics. Let me do my own research and see if, if there's any any truth here. You you go you try to go down that rabbit hole. There's no rabbit hole. It's just like hey, they're all conspiracy theorists. They're all crazy. They're all this, and it's like and then you wonder why you, some people you talk to are so sure that can, uh, vaccines are 100% safe and effective. Well, of course they are because everywhere they look. Everybody's saying that. So they have no evidence, no reason to believe otherwise. I mean, you look at Del Bigtree completely kicked off YouTube. Mm. Um, you look at uh, Robert Kennedy Jr. just got kicked off Instagram. Yep. I mean, this guy's a Kennedy. This guy's yeah. a Kennedy. He he was a, an environmental uh, attorney. He, he, he did so much good 
and and everybody believed that in regards to science and understanding the literature, he was intelligent until he talked about vaccines. And then all of a sudden he's a lunatic, uh, you know, crazy person. It's like, wait, wait, like nobody called him a lunatic, crazy person when um uh, when he was going against, uh you know, the chemical companies. Uh, but now that he's going against big pharma, it's like they've done such a great job of brainwashing the public in in. Into, I mean, you see it now. Like I, I see it in, in Europe. I see it in, in America. Everybody's like, go get the jab. Go get the vaccine. Go get the jab. Go get the vaccine. They're not even – like nobody even cares which vaccine it is, what type of vaccine it is, if the research of the vaccine was done or finished or how much of it even had to be um, completed because they you know, were in a state of emergency so they got to bypass so much of the, um, yeah. the loopholes they usually have to go through. And hey, it's they're, like, they're even mixing them here. Sorry about him. But really? Yes, you can date one of one vaccine, and your second dose can be a different vaccine. I swear, look it up. They're even mixing that's, it because people are so like, crazy. "I'll have that." It's pick a mix vaccines. I swear, not making it up. Have a look. Like they're mixing like the vaccine. Yeah, yeah. It's a, yeah. Just whack it all <laughs> in there. Crazy. As long as you just give me back some of my freedoms. Yeah, it, honestly, they're mixing it, mate. Carry on. Just. Oh, in in Massachusetts, <laughs> and this kind of goes to the whole social, uh, you know, uh, thing you were talking about. And here, it, it, instead of like uh, being rewarded for being a good uh, citizen, um, now there's all these rewards for getting the vaccine. And that's, you know, basically kind of the same thing because you're yeah. being a good citizen if you get the vaccine because you're saving lives, even though the vaccine companies tell you themselves that it does not stop the spread of the virus. So you think you're getting this vaccine because you're helping the, the world go back to normal because they'll stop the spread of the virus. But yet even the manufacturers themselves will tell you it does not stop the spread of the virus. But uh, so in, in, in Massachusetts, they uh, they just recently uh, released an article saying that they're going to um, give you less sentences, uh, sentencing and, and you'll do less time in prison and jail if you get the vaccine. What? So I know that's crazy. That's so that's insane. I mean, they, they mandated the, <laughs> the flu vaccine um, in Massachusetts. Like this is how much like none of this has to do with science and and basically doesn't even have anything to do with the virus either they mandated the flu vaccine to go back to school in massachusetts and people were like upset you know and rightfully so and uh, i'm just like listen how is mandating a flu vaccine for your children any different than one all the other vaccines that they have to take before they go to school yeah. and two mandating adults to get the 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 fucking uh the covid vaccine i'm like how is it how is it any different I'm like mandating a vaccine for anybody it should be, you know, mandating medication for anybody is 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 beyond the pale. Yeah, without without a doubt. I mean, we should have the right to our lives, our bodies. I mean, what the you know one thing that we've talked about lately on the show was uh, this whole like, where's all the feminists? The whole my body, my choice thing. Yeah, like when you're yeah. talking about yeah. abortions, you know, it's all like my body, my choice. Mm. But it's like. You know, it's okay to stick everybody with a vaccine. It's like, I it, like, how, what happened to our body, our choice? Like, we should this. And and the crazy thing about the flu vaccine is that they mandated this. None of the lockdown, none of this has anything to do with the flu. In America, the flu has disappeared from the face of the earth. There's like no cases of the flu because obviously they were misdiagnosing people and, and yeah. calling people who had the flu, uh, telling them that they had COVID. And uh, and then all of a sudden they're like, yeah, well. Uh, you know, and actually it was Del Bigtree, which I'm sure you're familiar with him. He's uh, yeah. the host of the High Wire. It was his nonprofit organization. Well, actually, I, I don't know if it's nonprofit, but either way, it was his organization, ICANN, that sued Massachusetts and got them to get rid of 
the the flu vaccine. So and but the articles in Massachusetts, this is how 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 good they are at, at uh, manipulating the public. So Del Bigtree, most people, because he's been labeled a anti-vaxxer lunatic. Uh, if you bring up Del Bigtree, people are like, oh, isn't he the anti-vaxxer guy? And um, but yet his organization is the reason why now kids in Massachusetts don't have to get the flu vaccine. They won in court, got rid of the, uh, the, the mandatory flu vaccine, go back to school. Articles were written. Parents I talked to were super excited. Yeah. They're like, oh, my God, did you hear that? We don't have to get the flu vaccine for our kids anymore. This and that. I'm like, yeah. And you know who was a part of that? Yeah. This the newspaper didn't tell you, but it was Del Bigtree, the guy that the newspaper probably also called a anti-vaxxer crazy person, you know, and now they're celebrating the fact that his organization got rid of a flu vaccine, but are not bringing that up because they don't want you to think that his organization does any good or that they can win in a court of law because they're just conspiracy theorists. They don't know anything about science. They don't know anything about, um, you know, what's true or not. And uh, so it just... It, it it's it boggles my mind. We live in such a a I, I'm sure many generations before us have said we live in the craziest of times, but I'm pretty sure we're probably living in one of the craziest of times. Yeah, I think we're it's, it's insane. We're living in insanity. This world is insane. Well, you go up a good point there. Um, that's worth covering is that we don't get into this. People don't get into this stuff. The David Ikes of the world, trust me. Um, even the Jesse Venturas of the world, the Alex Joneses of the world, whether you believe in their stuff or not, the people that do this research and put themselves out there, for whatever reason, don't get in it for a popularity contest. You're never going to be a very popular person. You're never going to make a load of money. You're never really going to have a very peaceful life doing this stuff. What, what do you think drives people on to doing it? To, for me, it is about the kids in the future and also about the, that niggling urge to not be abused. I hate bullies. I, I really, I fucking hate people who bully people. So that's to me is I don't tell people what to do and don't force people to do anything. Who the hell are you? That sort of feeling of no. Um, but other people have other reasons. What What is your kind of reason for keep doing this? Because it's, it's surely it's not an easy ride it's not kind of the most enjoyable thing in the world sometimes it can be very dark and very depressing and feel very as you said earlier a lot of people don't get it i went around asda the other day which is a supermarket in the uk probably past 300 people i was the only one without that with a without mask on only person in 300 people and there's a certain sense of pride comes from that how do you kind of work it in your mind to go, do you know what? I like being in this island of my own. There's a certain sense of sovereignty here. How do you protect your own mentality, your mental health? How do you protect yourself knowing that this isn't an easy road to take? Well, I, I've, you know, there's been years uh, doing the podcast where the show wasn't growing at the speed that I thought it would. I was doing all these important shows. You know, I was having um, all you know, what I thought was really important conversations and there was times I was I was definitely a little discouraged, and uh, and I would think like, oh man, maybe maybe instead of spending all this time booking guests, editing, putting up the videos, doing all this stuff, um, you know, sharing it on social media, if maybe I should focus on like it's my full time job. But and then I I kind of reminded myself, I'm like, well, why did I start doing this? Well, I started doing this because I was just focused on my full-time job and I hated my full-time <laughs> job and I yeah. felt like something was missing. And yeah. I felt like, you know, so I, I reminded myself that I'm like, if I went back to that, I'd be back here again because yeah. eventually I'd be doing my full-time job. It'd be unfulfilling. I'd feel like, what am I contributing to the world? 
and eventually I'd be like, you know what? I need, I need to do something. I don't know what it is. I don't know what type of impact I, w- I would have, but I need to do something. And the least I can look in the mirror knowing I'm doing something. So, um, that, that was a big part of it was just like, you know, anytime I would get discouraged now I tell, you know, throughout the years, you know, as the podcast grown, I would tell, um, other podcasters that would contact me. I'm like, listen, don't look at your numbers. Don't look at, don't get mad at yourself because you messed up uh, on this interview or you think you could have done better. I'm like, just keep doing it. And people, if you're, if, if you truly are seeking truth and you're truly just trying to share information that is important, that you think can help people better understand themselves and the world around them, then just keep doing it. And, and people will appreciate your sincerity. People will appreciate that you're a real person who truly cares and any flaws you might have, they'll look past that. Uh, I, I every once in a while I'll get I I, you, uh, I get in these rhythms where I say whatnot a lot, and then I'll get commenters that will, <laughs> will bust my bust my balls about it. They're like, they're like, oh, I love Ricky if you would just stop saying whatnot. And uh, so and and but the thing is, like as you know, nobody's harder on us than us. Like mm-hmm. we know our flaws. We know when we're like, oh, I should have, I you know, I I could have done a better job on that interview. I could have I could have um sounded more intelligent or I could have been better prepared or whatever it may be. And you can drive yourself crazy with that. Or, uh, even when I first started doing a uh, podcasting, I started like late 2013, um, and really kind of started picking up a, a little bit of steam 2014, 15. But the first couple of years I was like constantly looking at download numbers. I'm just yeah. like, let me look at the download numbers. And I'm like, why am I looking at down uh, download numbers? I'm like, it's not going to affect who I book. Cause I'm only booking people that I've I like and I find important and I think might have something to offer and and is interesting and uh but you can get crazy with looking at stuff and I'm like listen these numbers don't mean shit like what's important is I'm trying to capture a interesting conversation. It's a journey for myself and the listeners. Like a lot of times people think it's a journey just for the listeners. It's not, it's a journey for the hosts too, as you know, like you, you know, you learn from these conversations. It's a journey for everybody who's participating, you know, hosts, guests, listeners, everybody. And that's the power of long form conversation. I think you can get so much when you, when you have, when you're having discussions with honest people who are willing to, to share their ideas, willing to challenge ideas willing to have their ideas challenge you grow from that you learn you know i remember years ago i had this uh he's a australian author i don't know if you know who he is but uh cj whirlman he's a, it's a new one. pretty like down there uh cj whirlman and he he talked about uh he, he was on the rogan podcast some, um, a long time ago he actually had uh, a quite uh famous battle with tim and sam harris didn't like each other okay. uh but he uh he he talked about pub culture. Right? We we're talking about like the difference between like America and other countries, and he talked about Australia, and uh, and he talked about pub culture. Like you go to the pub in Australia, and I'm sure similar to the UK, uh, and and I know Portugal uh, very similar. People sat around, they discussed things, they they challenge each other, they 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 uh, share ideas, they they have what at the moment seems like important conversations about important topics. Well, that's why know, they've stopped people going to the pub, mate. You've hit that down on the head there. They don't want that right now. They don't want you sharing ideas with each other. Carry on with yeah. you, that, that. You've hit the nail on the head there. That's exactly why they've stopped people. They don't want people joining up, talking. Well, you're right. And so many people that... So many people, if they're not talking to one another, and that's the thing, the masks, uh, the No Agenda Show, which I think is a is an awesome podcast. They uh, they call them muzzles, and and they're absolutely right because that's what they are. And and the what we've done is we've prevented people from discussing and sharing their thoughts on what the hell's going on. And I think they know 
and I say they as in like big pharma and the politicians, everybody who's benefiting from this, they know if we got together and we start saying like, hey, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense that they're asking us to wear a mask in public, even if we're by ourselves. Hey, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense that they go from like 25% uh, capacity at a restaurant to to, to to 40 and then back to 25 or they, you know, in Massachusetts, they, they randomly just had a curfew at 930. You know, we all everything had to be shut down at 930. They're, it doesn't make a lot of sense that they're doing all this and they're not giving us any scientific evidence to how this is going to help or how it's going to work or, you know, what is there any benefit from doing this? And um, they're just doing it. They're just doing it with with no justification. And and people would have these discussions. And anytime um, I'm pretty outspoken and, uh, you know, I'm not a contra- con- confrontational person, but uh, I am very outspoken in regards to like I don't I don't hide who I am and what I believe. And I'm willing to, and, and, and I'm not afraid of talking about it because I'm also very open to having my ideas challenged. Because if I can't defend my ideas when they're challenged, then maybe I have to reevaluate my ideas, which I think is really important. So, but so many times if I'm at the gym, if I'm if I'm anywhere at a, at a restaurant, you know, and I run into somebody or, I'm, or you know, finally some, some months ago I started, uh, usually once a month I go out with my friends, we'll go, we'll pick a restaurant, we'll go out to dinner, we'll have some drinks, we'll eat and uh, and do what, you know, what we're discussing, like this idea of just like, chatting and talking about life and what's going on in the world and talking about our own personal lives. And, uh, and usually even if somebody disagrees with me, a couple minutes of talking to them and going over some of the information and you can see they're like the, their, their minds like being changed slightly. Like they're like, oh. okay, you're right. That, that doesn't make a whole lot of sense. Oh, you're right. Like, yeah, that's not really logical. Oh, you're right. There does seem like there's other things going on. And that's exactly what they prevented us from doing from 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 planting the seed of doubt yeah. of 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 you know what of the mainstream narrative and uh so if you kept people away from one another you kept people from not just that like if you did run into people because everybody was wearing a mask you could barely understand each other yeah. uh, everybody was standing like 6 feet away from one another mm-hmm. right you know and it, it, it so you it was always when you before all this, when you ran into somebody that you haven't seen in a while, it was a pleasant experience. You yeah. smile, you chit chat, you talk about life for a little bit. How's the kids? How's this? Now you do it. And uh, and what happens is like, it's like, oh, I don't know. Can I get close to you? Mm-hmm. Are you going to be mad that I'm not wearing a mask? Oh, maybe I should make this short. Maybe I should just say hi and keep walking. So you and then there's no smile. So it doesn't say, you know, when people smile at you, when you run into them, it was inviting. It just kind of felt like, oh, they're inviting me into the chat with them. They're inviting, you know, we can we can engage. Um it, it, it just it's a whole different experience now like there's very little there's much less social interaction in public places and and it was a great method of of force feeding them the mainstream narrative because they couldn't share any other alternative narratives so and then you it goes back to what we were talking about before so a lot of people because they're not talking to other people and and not coming to terms that like oh crap like there's a lot more people who who is seeing things the way i see things uh because people weren't doing that everybody just assumed that maybe maybe the mainstream t- media is right maybe this is bad maybe there you know maybe i'm just going crazy maybe maybe it is just a conspiracy theory um so it it's uh, i don't know man it's it, it's just one of those things where there's there's so much benefit in getting together with people and just having those just talk just talk that's it it sounds simple but just talk and just share ideas and share your ideas on what's going on in the world. And it won't take long before 
the 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 mainstream narrative and and the this bullshit story we've been fed starts slowly falling apart. Somebody might break up, uh, bring up uh, event two hundred one. Did you know that like? This whole idea of pretending they didn't know it was going to happen was complete nonsense. They could have been more than prepared for this if they wanted to be because they literally recreated it prior to this happening. You know, so it's like all these things. And then you're like, oh, I didn't know about Event 201. Did you? Oh, did you know about this? Did you know? about? Oh, do you know? Like in Minnesota, they were auditing a bunch of uh, uh, COVID deaths and come to find out there's people who were in car accidents. People yeah. were, were already dying in hospitals. Uh, you know, I had Dr. Scott Jensen on who um, he's a senator also of Minnesota, and he was one of the guys who was pushing for the audits. And he he was one of the first people that was publicly going out and going on Fox News. And anybody who would talk to him, uh, he, he was going there and he was like, I've been writing death, death certificates for 40 years. He's like, they have to be very specific for the purpose of state funding, for state statistics, all these uh, reasons they have to be specific. All of a sudden, the CDC says, hey, if somebody doesn't test positive, but uh, they have the symptoms, you can put it as a COVID death. And he's like, this isn't right, Sad. you know? And yeah. yeah. And uh, so all these things were happening. But when when you put masks on people, when you scare them into getting together with one another, I mean, during the holidays in the U.S., they, they were just, I mean, we were getting text messages on our phones and voice messages from the state, from Massachusetts saying, don't go out uh, uh, to eat, don't go. I mean, my wife's an, uh, a waitress and, and bartender. Like, she was killed i mean she dirt mm. i mean she was i mean she it was almost not even worth her going to work i remember her saying at times she's like all i'm doing is taking time away from my kids to go to work and do nothing because everybody's so petrified about going out to eat because the state has been telling everybody don't go out to eat don't go out to eat don't go out to eat it's like haven't you made it hard enough for small businesses what you're doing is you're killing small businesses and then force feeding us the big box stores the big chain restaurants Absolutely, because that's yeah. the only thing that you you that's going to be left eventually and it's all by design, and we know that's all to go on to the, they want people, as much, as many people, this is why the World Economic Forum, guys, is, is involved in this so centrally, because this is an economic thing, it has nothing to do with the, the virus, we all know, I think most people can get that by now, even though they don't accept it, this has everything to do with how you earn a living, how you raise, you, you feed yourself, and how you clothe yourself, and house yourself. They want you dependent on the state on a social credit score or a compliance score, as I call it. So you'll do as you're told to get your bread. And it's just like, and you'll be like Oliver going up to the front saying, please, sir, can I have some more? And that's why they want you. And that's where they've got, as you say, they've, they've got rid of all small, small businesses, medium-sized businesses. Even millionaires are going out of businesses. They thought they would never be touched, but they are. They've been pulled down and it's going to end up with this tiny, as we know, 1% um, that are beyond the banking families and um, if you really look into this but it's just it's an economic thing and it trickles all the way down they want you in your house they want you skin and they want the whole infrastructure changed and a digital digital currency set in this is an economic shift and it's being done through something called biderman's chart of coercion so guys if you you know any if you do any research go and have a look at something called biderman's chart of coercion and have a look at it and go down that list and say and ask yourself has this been done to me over the last 12 months? Because it will freak you out how close this is. And it's Biderman's chart of coercion is a um, a tool. It's been used to, um, it is used to torture prisoners of war. And it's a psychological torture set of, um, yeah, well, it's a set of tools as they work down. The last one is about, it, it, it hits it now on the head, the very last tool says um, getting people to do frivolous and nonsensical things. Well, what have we been doing for the last year? 
and flip-flopping and just have a look at that chart so ricky it's been fantastic to chat to you i really really loved it and it's nice to have a kind of like a a proper down-to-earth human chat because i think sometimes we i don't know how you feel about this and we'll end it on this question how you feel is you get kind of get caught in the nuts and bolts of conspiracy of who did this who said that who do you know what I mean? In, in 1948, and this happened, and and Rothschild built Israel, and the, you know all of this Belfort Declaration, and but we never ask each other how we are, and I think we need to do that a little bit more. Yeah, no, that that's really important. You can get so caught up in names and dates and events and all that stuff, and I think the bigger questions are are really really important, and then sometimes it can get neglected. It's like, okay, well, why do we? Why are we trying to get? Uh, more knowledgeable about these names and dates. Why are we so obsessed with these names and dates and events and stuff? It's because of the bigger picture. It's because we're, we're um, trying to make the world a better place. And that, and that requires also all these other things of, of like trying to understand ourselves and, you know, questioning uh, what we believe, what we think, you know, like information for information's sake, isn't that important? Mm-hmm. You know, I, to, to me, it's I'm, when I started my podcast, you know, many times I was, kind of um i don't know maybe self-conscious about like my ability to like hold a conversation with somebody who has a phd or somebody who is uh you know a a best-selling author and uh in in time i'm just like okay this is like just because you can regurgitate stuff isn't you know what does that mean like okay you, you like in america we say there's street smarts and book smarts and and what we really mean by that is like the book smart guy he might have a diploma. He might have a high-paying job, but he's an idiot. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, oh, he's, yeah, the, yeah, he's the guy. You know, you he's the guy that you sit down at, at a, a table with some friends, or you're at the pub with some friends, and he doesn't really have anything interesting to offer to the conversation. But then you get the guy who maybe doesn't have a diploma, maybe doesn't, you know, didn't maybe he dropped out of school, but yet has a really interesting outlook on things, has really interesting philosophies and perspectives. So, um, yeah, so all that stuff really isn't uh, too important. You know, if the information isn't helping expand your outlook on life, then uh, and and just your understanding of the world, then I, you know, what what really is the point of it? You know, and I think history can do that sometimes. You know, like, uh, well, in most in most cases, if if you can relate it to why it's important, you know, if you're trying to understand, okay. Well, why does India and Pakistan hate each other? You know, why is why are they uh, bitter rivals? And you and then you're like, okay, well, now this history is important. Now these names and dates are important because now I can understand. Oh, it was a religious thing. Why they? It was one country. They separated, and then it helps me better understand something. But to memorize just like a specific war or a specific battle or a specific you know doctrine, whatever it may may be, uh, just so you can regurgitate and sound smart. And there's no relation to like why it's important. Then, uh, yeah, then yeah, we can get caught up in that. And you see people in, in the alternative media world do that. You're like, oh, this guy sounds really smart because he can just regurgitate stuff. And I'm like, but is he really saying anything? Like, is he? Is there any substance to it? Like, okay, so he knows all this stuff, but like, okay, what what is he gonna do with all that information? Mm-hmm. So, um, I'm sometimes bad at at holding all that information, but I, it's the idea that sticks with me. So, like, I'll do a bunch of research. And then it's like, okay, what did I get from all this research? Okay, this is the outcome I got because of all this uh, research. And then I might not remember all that specific, you know, websites and names and dates, but I remember what I learned from it. And to me, that's much more important. That like that lesson or 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 the conclusion that all that research led to. Like knowing the conclusion 
and 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 is imp- more important to me than just memorizing all that information because you know it's like that quote uh, why memorize anything you can look up right why why am I going to take up uh, you know bandwidth and, and storage in my brain if I can just look it up it's like to me the conclusion and what I learn from it is much more important so um, so that's yeah so that's what I try to uh, try to do is just try to try to keep the lessons I learn from from the research and not get too caught up in just you know information yeah what i once wrote and i wrote something ages ago and it it was so how do i know the guy who invented the iq test wasn't a fucking idiot <laughs> that's a good question you know and that was like i don't do i so what why is he judging me so to me you just keep going on with these things and these people you put on pedestals you're like oh god they're just it's just ridiculous i don't need any of this um Ricky, it's been fantastic. I really want to get you back on as well and anything I can do. Well, t- before we go, I want to talk to you about the film I've got going up. So where can people find your work and follow your podcast and support the work you do? Yeah, so uh, the rippleeffectpodcast.com is my website, but the podcast is available. The audio uh, version of the podcast is available everywhere, iTunes, Spotify, every podcast app that's uh, out there. And then the video version is available on YouTube for the time being. I've been shadow banned for quite a bit and uh, getting flagged from time to time for having people like Mickey Willis on from the Plandemic documentary and stuff like that. But for the moment being, because I've never monetized, because I've always uh, age-restricted my stuff, it's still on YouTube. But it's also on all the other alternatives like uh, Odyssey, Library, Float, uh, and BitChute. So, um, you know, if you can't find it on YouTube, it'll, it'll be at those spots too. And, and yeah, I have a Patreon page like many people um, and, you know, I have a merch merch store if you want to uh, support the show that way, too. But uh, my stuff's all open source. I always tell the listeners, share the stuff. You're not stealing it because I'm telling you to kind of put it anywhere you want. It's very similar to, like, James Corbett because uh, he was a big influence of mine when I first started. Uh, this idea, I really like the idea of, like, getting the conversation out there yeah. as best as possible and as quickly as possible. So, um, you know, I tell people all the time, like, post it on your youtube channel posted on your website wherever you may, may you know wherever you may be uh for the purpose of just trying to get the conversations out there that's more important than me specifically getting the traffic and clicks so uh so yeah those are all the spots all the usual spots and and thank you so much richard for having me i, I love having these conversations and uh and i think we you know it's a, like i said before it's a journey for all of us we share ideas we challenge ideas and uh, we all get something out of this so uh d- hopefully we can do it again in the near future yeah, I'd love to, mate. I'd love chatting just about these things, but also chatting to people about how these things make you feel. I think that's one level that people don't talk about enough. There's a lot of conspiracy theory podcasts, but not a lot of people, not a lot of podcasts about conspiracy theorists and how they feel and why they do what they do. And I think that's a different level of of it. It's nice to get to know the person behind trying to figure out the information, and I think that's kind of sort of what I try and do. So yeah, Rick, it's been amazing. Guys, go and check out Ricky's podcast. I'll put all the links below. Um, and also, again, open source. So please go share this, download this, share oh, this wherever out, you like. And check out the Union of the Unwanted, which yes, which is my other show, which Richard was on. Uh, we did an international edition. I believe it was episode eighteen, uh, which is a big Zoom conference call with a bunch of people from the alternative media community, researchers, uh, all types of people. I mean, Ben Swan's been on there, G. Edward Griffin. 
uh, Judy Mikovich, Dr. Mm-hmm. Judy Mikovich from the Pandemic documentary, Whitney Webb. I mean, obviously yourself. We've had uh, tons of uh, really great people, and it just it's with me, Sam Tripley from the Tinfoil Hat Podcast. Your friend Charlie Robinson yeah. from Macroaggressions and uh, Iconic, and uh, and then Midnight Mike from the OBDM show. We we just create this big conference call. We do it every other uh, Monday at 7 p.m. Eastern time, um, and then we uh, we just try to grab people together to help each other network and and hope that we can all promote each other's work to to make it a little easier to fight back so definitely check out that that's the other show i host uh, the union of the unwanted which is also available in all the same locations that's great i mean yeah i've been on that a few weeks ago that's when we met and it was fantastic i was i was honored to be on it and you guys um yeah had a lovely time really really good fun as well just meeting everybody and I, the judy malkovich one i shared on davidike.com it was an incredible podcast and her information about these vaccines and then being gene therapy and not actually vaccines themselves was just was amazing and something i i knew a bit about but not enough about i was cleaning out the rabbit cage out there in the garden listened to it a few weeks back it was a great great podcast so guys check that out guys thank you it's glitching the code please share this around please download this you can share it wherever you like um, and you can find it on glitchintheco.co.uk, iconic.com. I will put the video version of this up on YouTube and Bitchu and Library and Odyssey. And um, I think that's the one, all the ones I'm on at the moment. Um, but I need to find some others because, uh, yeah, it's getting tight. Cheers, guys. Take care. I'll speak to you soon. Goodbye. Welcome to Glitch in the Code.